In my preparation for today's sermon, I was challenged by a writer. He says, imagine a basketball game. It's almost the end of overtime, and it's time for one last shot. Who do you want to have the ball? LeBron James? Michael Jordan? Kobe? Watch this from Robert Ory. Only some people know him. <laughs> Stephen Curry. You want the calmest, the calmest and the best player out there. Or imagine the security of the nation is threatened. Threat levels have gone through the roof and an attack is imminent. Who do you want to have the nuclear code? Who you, do you want making the final call on what to do or not to do? You want someone who is calm under pressure. Or here's one more example. Imagine you need a crucial surgery to save your life or the life of a loved one. Who do you want behind the scalpel? Who do you want performing the surgery? Of course, you want the best doctor available. If that didn't work, I figured I'd bring another example for you all. I love social media posts that gives the option to choose out of a certain category of top experts. If you were getting roasted, it says, who would you call on? Martin Lawrence or... But Jesus... Leaves every sports star, every politician, every comedian, and every surgeon far behind. It's not that Jesus is in, just in control of events, but he's also in control of himself. The beauty about Jesus is he brings hope to hopeless situations. Oh, you missed that. I'm going to run that back. The beauty about Jesus is he brings hope to hopeless situations. Still didn't shout. Let me run it one more time. The beauty about Jesus is he brings hope to hopeless situations. Oh, I got a tough crowd this morning. What if you were dead and you needed to come back to life? Who's the one person to bring you back from the dead that you'll pick? Would you pick a Buddha? Be Allah or see Jesus? I don't know about you, but I'm going with letter C, Jesus. Usually what happens on any social media platform is in the comment section, people are giving their arguments for their choice. So let me give mine. You know, sort of like I'm choosing Bruce Lee over Chuck Norris. Boy, you crazy. Do you remember how cold Bruce Lee was? And blah, blah, blah. Or the verses. Who do you choose? Lil Wayne or Jay-Z and on and on. Now, if you were here Friday, you might be wondering, you might be scratching your head, Pastor, why Jesus as your final choice? Didn't he die Friday? Pastor, don't you remember his degradation and his humiliation? Remember how he died that horrible, ignoble death Friday? And yet, that's your choice. My answer is yes, because allow me to give my argument, because I told you about Friday, but I didn't tell you about Sunday. Friday 
was his degradation in humiliation. But Sunday is his exaltation. What do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean? The Bible says he was in the grave all night Friday. I know how the old church do it. He was in the grave all night Friday. And he was in the grave all day Saturday. But early, church, early Sunday morning, he got up. The sun woke the sun up. God raised him from the dead. Didn't he raise him, church, not with some power, but he raised Jesus with all power, healing power, life-changing power. All authority was his. He raised him, church. Remember in the gospel that Sunday morning, they came looking for Jesus. Yes, they did. His followers came looking for him. They witnessed, they saw that he wasn't just dead. He was dead, dead. They watched him put him in the tomb. They watched him roll that stone in front of that dead Jesus. But, but if you just keep on reading, it gets better because it says this. And as they were frightened, and bow their faces to the ground. The man said to them, the ladies coming to look for Jesus. That's right, the sisters come looking for him. The guys are tucked away in the house. The ladies are going to look for Jesus. Ladies, y'all, I'll shout in the room. Y'all better quit playing ladies, all right? The ladies go looking for him. They run into an angel. And the man said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead. Hold on now. He, he was dead. And when, when somebody dies, you go to the graveyard to find them. But now this man is saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. Here's a shout. But he has risen. Yeah. And then he goes back because they had amnesia. And so he needs to remind them. He said, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified and on the third day rise. God ain't never not kept his word. Oh, that'll preach. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Friends, the Friday victim is the Sunday victor. Now, Jesus didn't just get the victory over death. No, he didn't just defeat death. He dragged death. He Here's that old saying, he mollywopped death. I wish I had some folks over 30 in the room. He mollywopped death. He handled death. Jesus is the GOAT, the greatest of all times because he conquered the power of sin, hell, and death. And here's some more good news for you. Jesus is the eternal son of God who became flesh to give sinners who believe in him eternal life. Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead. Jesus was handed over for our transgressions and raised for our justification. Jesus is the resurrection in the life. Jesus died to justify sinners by faith, to reconcile them to God, to deliver them from God. God's wrath. That didn't get you. I got one more. Jesus disarmed through his death on the cross and resurrection, earthly and demonic rulers and authorities as he put them to open shame and triumphed over them. Jesus, through his cross and resurrection, 
reconciles Jews and Gentiles to God and to one another into one new humanity. Let me run it back again. Jesus, through his cross and resurrection, reconciles black folks and white folks and Asian folks and Latino folks. Jesus does that. And Jesus will return again from heaven to earth a second time to conquer evil once and for all to rescue his people from suffering and to bring to culmination a new creation in the new heavens in the new earth. Friends, this is why I choose Jesus. Because with him, nothing is impossible. Y'all don't mind if I preach this morning. Jesus is in a category, Daniel, all by himself. Now, the NBA has a top 75 in basketball. But how many greats are there in coming back from the dead category? Oh, that's right. Only one. Jesus. Crown that man. He's the GOAT. But let's step out of the theoretical into the concrete. Let's step into the here and the now. Because I know what you're asking. You got out of your bed, you drove all the way to church, and you knew that we were going to talk about a risen Jesus. You knew that. That's why you put on your Sunday's best. But you got a question to the pastor this morning, and I'm willing to indulge you in that question this morning. Maybe your question is, what does this resurrection got to do with 2022? Oh, that rhyme, I didn't even see it. <laughs> what does this resurrection got to do with 2022? How does this resurrection help me in my marriage, Pastor? How does this resurrection help me as a single mom, Pastor? Am I talking to anyone yet? How does this resurrection help me with these people in my DM? Just keep looking at me. We're going to get real close and personal today. How does this resurrection help me with my drinking problem? How does this resurrection help me with this whack dating world? Just keep looking at me. How do I heard an amen out there somewhere, somebody. I knew that was going to touch one saint. Somebody said, "Woo!" They asking for gas money to take you out these days. It's tough out here. What I look out. My bad, my bad. Let me bring it. Y'all got to be serious. This is resurrection. How does this resurrection, Bobby, come on now. How does this resurrection Help me with my anxiety and my worry. How does it help me with my grief? How does this resurrection help me with my troubled teen? How does this resurrection help me with social injustice? How will this resurrection help me when I face death? And we all going to face death someday. Pastor, does this resurrected Jesus helps me with my existential reality? I want to choose Jesus, but bro, I got questions. Friends, the resurrection wants to break into your life and my life and radically change it. The resurrection doesn't want to stand out there, but the resurrection wants to get down up in here. The resurrection wants to break into your hopeless situation. Got a situation? The same Jesus that got up wants you to get up this Sunday morning. Indeed, he calls all of us to come to life. Are you with me this morning? 
I want to tell you a story today just to drive that point home. It's a story about a hopeless situation. It's a story about a father who got himself a bit of a pickle. And Jesus invades his hopeless situation and he turns it around. Our story takes us into another hopeless situation. What I love about our text today is you can feel these are ordinary people like you and I. I don't know about you, but I like to feel the humanity of the Bible. I don't know the last time you checked, but I'm human and you're human. These are Bible characters you rarely hear about. But let's join these characters as they walk into a hopeless situation. Bethel Gary, walk with me. Let's join them. Perhaps the word hopeless is already resonating with you already. I already got your attention. You're well acquainted with hopelessness. Friends, this time Jesus faces the greatest enemy known to man. Jesus faces death in these verses. And he walks away the victor. Jesus had just returned from a night at the sea. He and his disciples went to the other side of the lake. While he was there, Jesus delivered a poor man from the grips of Satan. Satan ain't got nothing on Jesus. The man is in, in, in gripped by Satan, and Jesus casts the demons out. Even the demons got to move when he say move. Now, Jesus, after casting out these demons, he's not done. There's work to be done. Now, Jesus has returned to Capernaum and is immediately met by a crowd of people. Can you see the crowd, church? It's, uh, it's a massive crowd. I mean, Jesus is famous. He's blue check certified. It's a sea of people. Some have gathered to hear his words. Some have come in hopes of experiencing a miracle. Like you and I, we came to church today for several different reasons. All are there to see Jesus. A man named Jars rushes into the crowd surrounding Jesus. It is his stories that serve as the focus of these, these verses. He is a man whose life has been turned upside down by death. Here's the text. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. Sorry, Victor, I, don't, I can't read Spanish. You got to get English. Okay. A great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Can you feel it, church? Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and alive. And he went with him. The first thing we see in our story today is a father that comes to Jesus. What do we know about this father? This father in our text is a ruler of the synagogue. This is important. We need to zoom in on this if you're going to feel this text. In other words, he was an ad man in the social group called the synagogue on Facebook. This means that he was one of the officials who oversaw the business of the synagogue. The central focus of Israel's worship happened in the synagogue. He was not a priest, but he would have had a part in the services of the synagogue. He was responsible for making sure that everything was in order and ready at the synagogue. He would have been an important man in his community. 
He would have had clout. People would have knew who he was. Jairus possessed power, privilege, prestige, position, and prominence. Some of the stuff some of us wish we had. He would have been a wealthy man with a fine home and servants. He would have had a three-car garage. He would have had it all. He was a religious man who faithfully practiced Jewish faith. At this moment in his life, though, none of these things that usually seem important to Jairus matter in the least. Friends, sickness and death had visited the home of Jairus, and none of the things that mattered in his life could drive them away. Oh, trouble will have you reevaluate what's important in life. Indeed, they are driving him crazy. His power, his money, his position in community, even his religion, were all powerless in the face of those two enemies, sickness and death. They were on top, and he was on bottom. His little daughter was dying, and he needed help. Jairus needed help that none of his resources could provide. Friends, sometimes, let's be honest, let's drop our mask this morning. Sometimes we will not come to Jesus until all of our resources run out. Come on, can we be honest this morning? Oh, can we be honest this morning? Sometimes we are not coming to Jesus until all of our resources run out. Sometimes we come to Jesus because he was our last option, not our first option. Can we be honest? Many times we don't turn to God until our situation turns on us. Hopelessness. We come to God when we come to the end of our own abilities. In fact, some today came to church with the mentality at this point, I ain't got nothing else to lose. It is Easter. Might as well go ahead and try Jesus. I mean, I'm just being honest. We come to Jesus when we have gotten ourselves so deep in sin, we can't get ourselves out. Jesus, unfortunately, is not our first pick, but oftentimes our last pick. But I don't say that to shame anyone in the room. Because many of us, although we've been in church for a while, didn't come to Jesus because we picked Jesus, but we came to Jesus because Jesus picked us. Many of us in the room, if we were to testify, we didn't find God. God found you. Come on now. Let's be honest. You were doing your own thing, going your own way, and God met you in the middle of your mess. Welcome to the crowd. This brokenhearted father knows he needs help. He has heard about Jesus, and he runs to him. He humbles himself at the feet of Jesus. Can you see it, church? He's desperate. His daughter is dying. And there's one thing that will bring you to Jesus. It's your children. Oh, I know I got some parents in the room that can relate to that. Your babies didn't had you up late at night praying for them. If you ain't got there yet, wait until they become a teenager. Boy, you're going to wear your knees out. <laughs> Parents be at Dick's Sporting Goods getting knee pads. Oh, you getting back in sport? No, I got a teenager, and I got to pray. <sighs> I'm talking to myself. Ain't nobody else got to say nothing. Pray for me. <sighs> this must have been hard for Jay. Notice that now I gave him a nickname. After all, he is a ruler of the synagogue. 
all his colleagues in ministry disapprove of Jesus and of his methods. Most of the synagogue have been closed to Jesus in his ministry. If you read the Gospels, you can see that Jesus and, and the Pharisees and the religious people of the day, they didn't vibe together. They didn't get along. Jesus wasn't a boy. Can you believe that Jesus was not cool with church folks? I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about them. Y'all cool, you know. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be this father's first pick. If it was a pick on Facebook before his daughter was dying, I don't think Jay would have picked Jesus. Yet this father is desperate. And he turns to the man named Jesus for the help he needs. Fear of death, love for his daughter, and a sense of utter helplessness drove this man to Jesus. When you really come to the end of yourself, you can care less about what people think about you and what they got to say. When you're desperate, you don't care if they're going to kick you out of their circle. You know good and well you wouldn't be caught here today, dead in church, but you hit rock bottom, and all of a sudden, I don't care what they got to say, what they think about me, how they look at me. Desperate people do desperate things. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're going through something, you ain't got time to be cute. Let some go down right now and see what you're going to do with that pink suit, Pastor. <laughs> you ain't got time for people cooping, trying to fit in. When you need something greater than you, you say any means necessary. Today I'm trying to convince you to pick Jesus the goat, y'all. Let me just remind you that the tragedy doesn't care who you are. No, the trials of life are not going to pass you by because you got money, because you got degrees, because you got your hair done, because you got the best Easter suit on today. Tragedy doesn't skip over you. Tragedy doesn't care that you go to church and pay your tithes. Uh-oh, we're getting real now. For real? I ain't paying my tithes no more. No, I'm just playing. Reality check. Somebody like, I wish they would have told me that before I put something in that plate. No. <laughs> Paying your tithes ain't going to stop trouble from coming. <laughs> Sickness and death can care less about your achievements and assets. Right. Trials happen to the rich and the poor. Yeah. To North County and South County. Yeah. There's funeral homes on both sides of the county. Right. Sickness and death can care less. When the trials of life come, you need a resource outside of yourself. Come on now, let's get real. Oh, church, this is more than just Sunday morning preaching. I want to meet you in your living room. Life is going to bring some things your way that you're going to need something outside of yourself more greater, more powerful than you. I'm talking about when death and sickness and sorrow and marital problems are up to your nose. When financial trouble is rocking your life, you're going to need something more than yourself. You're going to need something more than religion. You're going to need something more than the stuff of this world. You'll need a God who is able to cause dead things to come to life. You'll need a God that doesn't have some power, but all power. The story goes on. It's kind of comical, but serious. I really need you to 
Now be churchy when we get to the next part of this story. As we go to the next episode, I really need you to, I really need you to feel Jay. When we come to the place where we know that we can't, but where we believe that God can, that's when he comes. When we come to the place where we know that we can't, but where we believe that God can, that's when he comes. But the problem in the story is Jesus takes his time to get to the emergency. He's like the paramedics in the hood. You call 911, it'd be an hour later when they come. The person didn't die twice. Hood problems. This is Jesus. So what's the hold up, Jesus? What's taking you so long, Jesus, to get to his daughter? Jesus leaves to go with Jay to heal his daughter. As he goes, he is, he is, he is stuck by the crowd, and a very sick woman touches his garment, and she is healed. My, my, my. Let me just let that sit. That'll preach all by itself. She touched the hem of his garment. And that's true religion right there. Gets to him. Jesus, going through the crowd, woman touches him. Jesus stops to confront and comfort this woman. Now, Jay got a 911. Jesus, she healed already. Keep going. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? You know, I'm down. Hold on. She's good. It's time to go. What are you doing? Jesus talking to her. This is funny. As he does, precarious minutes pass by. Has God ever taken too long to get to you? Okay, I don't want to be honest. Let me say it plain in a way that church people can understand. Have you ever had to wait on God? No, no, not just wait. I'm talking about wait, wait. I'm talking about that kind of wait where you're like, God, I've been praying. God, I've been trusting. God, I've been believing. But my faith is getting a little shaky. Not that I want my faith to get shaky, but my situation is getting worse as I'm waiting on you. And I'm trying to stand still. I'm trying to wait. But God, you taking too long. Come on, somebody. Ain't you glad you can be honest with God? You may not be able to be honest with your neighbor, <laughs> but you can be honest with God. I imagine Jay in this situation like, hey, yo. Now, he Jesus, so he ain't going to pop off too hard. You can, you can keep your inner thoughts in, but I can, let's go in his head for a minute. He upset by this delay. After all, his daughter is in the dying process. She doesn't have much time. Jesus is wasting his time on this woman is what he's thinking. It's very possible that Jay knew that this woman in her, knew, knew this woman in her condition. And if so, he knows that she had been sick for 12 years. He may be thinking that waiting another hour for her healing would kill her. He may be thinking that this Interruption will kill his daughter, but Jay will be reminded, as should we, Jesus doesn't run on a schedule. I know that's hard for some of y'all in the room. But God is not bound by the constraints of time and space. It may surprise you, but God doesn't possess a clock or a calendar. 
And God can do more off the clock than we can do on the clock. Oh, yes, he can. He can do more off the clock than on the clock. Come here, Tracy McGrady. One of the most impressive things, Tim, you'll remember this. I have ever seen somebody do on the clock is the Rockets come back from the Spurs when Tracy McGrady put up 13 points and 33 seconds. Check it out. Fans had left the stadium thinking the game was over. No one can come back from being down more than 10 with only 33 seconds on the clock. The stadium was emptying out. But he shocked the world, did he not? Go on YouTube. You can find it. When he came back on the Spurs with only 33 seconds, what a comeback. But that was Grady. Check out what Jesus does with no time on the clock. Jay is going to witness something far greater. He's going to witness Jesus make a comeback with no time on the clock. Oh, I'm trying to preach this thing. Oh, my goodness. Y'all ain't feeling it like I'm feeling it, but I'm trying to preach it like I feel it. I said, Jesus is about to make a comeback with no time on the clock. Now, you're not shouting because you know good and well when it comes to human beings, when the clock is out, there ain't no coming back. But Jesus is getting ready to do something far greater. But let me keep teaching now. Jesus is about to make a comeback with no time on the clock. When God doesn't move as quickly as you might like, trust him anyway. Isn't it easy to shout when you ain't in it? The correct response is like, ouch. Trust God, even when he doesn't move like you want him to. And the reason why it's because he's not ruled by the clock. Grady had to hurry up. He only had 33 seconds. But Jesus, time is not the boss of him. Jay's daughter dies. As Jesus finally, finally, finally finishes up with the woman, some people come from the home of Jay with devastating news. His daughter is dead. Now watch this. People could be real cold. Look at, look at how they break the news to him in a cold way and inform this poor father. There's no compassion, no comfort, no sympathy. There is nothing but cold, hard facts. The news is blunt and final. I like the way the KJV puts it. Thy daughter is dead. Watch this. Why troublest thou the master any further? I don't know if you caught it. Let me put it plain. Maybe in Spanish, Victor. I'm just playing. I'm not going to do that. In other words, don't bother Jesus. Even he can't fix this problem. Your daughter is dead. The clock is out. Leave him alone. There's other situations. Now let's slow down and take this in. Can you imagine what this father is feeling? I got to you on time, but God, you showed up too late. Jesus shows up fourth quarter, no time left on the clock. Everybody's leaving the safe stadium. 
Surely this news rocked Jay to his foundation. Surely this news attacked his faith. Come on, church, can we be real? That you prayed and you prayed and you didn't get what you were looking for. What did it do to your faith? Surely he must have thought about the delay. I wonder if he became a little bitter at the Lord. Have you ever faced a similar situation? The facts stare you in the face. And every one of them cries, no hope, no hope, no hope, no hope, no hope. That must have been how Mary and Martha felt when Lazarus fell ill and they sent for Jesus to come. Jesus is known for being late. John 11, 1 through 3, when Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. What's up with Jesus? Chilling <laughs> like a villain. No, I'm just playing. By the time Jesus arrived, everybody's eating chicken and baked macaroni and cheese. And he strolls up after he shows up at the repast like ain't nobody died. <laughs> they thought all hope was gone. Jesus has a habit of showing up late, but maybe Jesus showed up late to let you know today it is never too late to trust him. Oh, that'll preach. Mm. I better run that one back. If it hit you the way that it hit me, maybe Jesus showed up late to let you know today that it ain't never too late to trust him. What they did not know was that what seemed to be a delay was merely setting the stage for a comeback. That may have been how the disciples felt out there on the sea in that storm when he was asleep, and he comes up late. If you hate late people, I don't know if you would have got along with Jesus. They thought there was no hope. They thought the Savior was not moving on time. Again, they saw a delay was merely setting the stage for a comeback. What comeback? To come back to life. Note this down. We need to remember the truth that God is seldomly early, but he is never late. He is never late. In other words, the world is on God's clock, not the other way around. Even when you can't see what he is doing, God is working to accomplish his plan and purpose in life, in your life and in mine. Come on, pastor, what happens next? You're going to have us late if you don't hurry up. (laughs) Did Jesus save the day or not? Come back next week. No, I'm just messing around. I'm just messing around. We're going to finish this series today. We got to get back to Chosen Moses next week. (laughs) Jay's daughter... Nay, she comes back to life. Before Jay collapsed in grief, Jesus says words that echo through the ages today. But overhearing what they said, let's get here. Jesus says to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Mm. 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 My daughter's dead. Mm. Mm, Breath has left her body. Mm, The news is bad. And Jesus 
the only thing that you can say to me right now is do not fear, only believe. The time is out. The clock is run down. Jesus is saying, Jay, don't believe what you hear. Don't believe what you know. Don't believe what you see. Most of all, don't believe what you think. Trust me. He is saying, Jay, you believe me when you came to me a few moments ago. Keep believing me now. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You started off trusting God. You started off looking to God. Don't let your circumstances and situations turn you away from him now. That's hard, church, when the clock has ran out. Doesn't seem like much hope for a comeback. We often leave when it's time for us to believe. How often we have left the stadium of life. Left the church in hopelessness. So Jesus and Jay continues on to Jay's house. When they arrive, they find the mourners already, already there. Mourners were wailing and crying and sad tunes were being played on the flutes. Jew, the, the, the Jewish law required that even the poorest of people have at least one mourner and two flute players. The mourners showed up as soon as there was death. They began to wail and cry and scream, calling attention to the fact that death had invaded a home. They came quickly because the dead were buried before sundown. And these same practices continue to this day in parts of the Middle East. Since Jay was wealthy and well-known, well, you can imagine the number of hired mourners would have been many. Mark describes their noise as loud. This word describes a clamorous uproar. Jesus sees this. He's walking into this. Jesus sees this mourning going on. And the word saw here has the idea of watching for a prolonged time. Can you imagine Jesus watching? Here he is still waiting. Jesus is watching this show. And he knows that there is no genuine grief involved. The mourners could not could care less about the pain of this family. The only people really hurting are Jay and his wife. Jesus approaches this scenes and make a strange statement. He tells the mourners to stop their wailing. Here it is, y'all. Here's the comedy, but not comedy. He enters the scene, and he tells the mourners, hey, yo, stop wailing. Because the little girl is not dead, but she's sleeping. Hold up. Wait a minute. Stop the press. What's going on here, Jesus? These people have witnessed a death before. This girl is dead. There's something wrong with Jesus. <laughs> there are many people who look at death at the end of, as the end of all things. They see it as the time of absolute hopelessness, but not Jesus. Jesus seems to have a different opinion than everybody in the room. He calls it sleep. Now, don't misunderstand. He isn't talking about a so-called soul sleep. Many in our world believe the soul and the body go together into the grave to await the resurrection, but that's not true. Jesus is just letting Jay and everyone there know that he's in control of this situation and not time. I'm getting ready to show everybody in this scene, everybody in this situation, everybody in the room. I'm not late. I'm on time. Don't leave the stadium. Because this situation was needed for you all to believe I am stronger than death. In other words, if you had to choose between A, Allah, and B, Buddha, or C, Jesus, Jesus says, choose me. 
Jesus is saying, I'm the boss. One of the things I learned about owning my own business and being the boss is I set my own schedule. No one tells me when to come. I'm the boss. I come when I want to come. Death doesn't boss Jesus around, but Jesus is the boss of death. You can tweet that death works for Jesus. Jesus sends the mourners and the spectators away. He takes Jay, the girl, the mother, and Peter, and James, and John, and he enters the room where the girl body lies. Now he's in the room where death is. Death and Jesus is in the same room. Can you feel it? Who will win the day? Who will win, death or Jesus? They're in the same room. Will Jesus walk out of this house uh, defeated or undefeated? Let's take a look. What happens? Jesus walks up to the girl. He takes her by the hand, and he says, I'm going to get this wrong. It's a lot of akuma. This phrase can literally be translated, arise, little lamb. Who walks in the room and says something like that? You don't do that when people are grieving unless you know what you're doing. You don't play games when it comes to death. People are on the edge. People will say some things. Emotions are out of control. You don't walk in a room and say, arise, little lamb, unless you got power to make her get up. Oh, yes, he knew it. When he walked in that room, he knew it. Oh, this is not for me. This is for you. Arise, little lamb. See his gentleness in his words. Oh, grieving father, not only am I going to raise her, I'm going to show you how gentle I am. I'm going to show you how loving I am. I'm going to show you how tender I am. I wish I had some little lambs in the room that have experienced the tenderness of Jesus. Come here, little lamb. Arise, little lamb. Something happened, y'all. Something happened that happened in the beginning of time. Remember when he spoke and the world came into existence? Remember when he spoke and said, let there be light and light begin to strain into existence? Remember when he said, let there be grass and flowers and they begin to spring up? From the, from, from the floor of the earth. Remember when he spoke and things came into existence. Oh, that didn't help you? Remember when he spoke into your dead heart and you came alive. When God speaks, uh, whatever he says, got to get the moving. Uh, got to get the jumping. Uh, got to get to do whatever he says. And he says, and immediately... The girl got up, but I ain't surprised because when God says get up, you got to get up. When God says come to life, oh, you got to come to life. It ain't no, let me think about it. Maybe I'll do it. No, when he says get up, you got to get up. The girl got up. Hold on. Oh, I missed it. Not only did she get up, she started walking. Maybe if she would have stood still, they would have doubt that she was up. But she started walking. But it wasn't a walking day. No, she was walking and she was living. I was asked when she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. 
And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. She good. Give her a bowl of cereal. She'll be all right. <laughs> Woo! I'll be like Frosted Flakes for me. <laughs> Jesus is moved with compassion by the grief in his home, and he calls the little girl's spirit back into her body. That's what happens in resurrection, is that the spirit goes back into the body. At death, it separates, and resurrection, it comes back together. She obeys his commands and instantly receives life. She gets up, and everyone is amazed, are you? It amazes me when I read about Jesus walking on water, feeding the multitude with a small amount of food, calming the storm, healing sickness, turning water into wine. Amen, somebody. But nothing showcases divine power like him raising someone from the dead. Jesus calls the little girl, come to life. But it doesn't stop there, church. No, it doesn't stop there. God wants to give you your own shout. This is what Jesus offers to all of us. After his resurrection, he says, I'm risen. Be risen with me. Come to life in me. Come to life in me. But in order to come to life in Jesus, you have to be joined to Jesus. Can I get theological for a minute? We can often be like Jay. Mostly every human on the planet is. We don't come to God unless we are in hopeless situations like Jay. Sickness, death, divorce, the bottom drops. We think God doesn't care about our situation because he's late or he doesn't come when we expect him to come. What does the resurrection have to do with 2022? But he does. But he uses our situation as fiery situations the way a welder uses a blowtorch. Come on, Bobby. God uses hopeless situations to join us to Jesus. Look at the father. His hopeless situation left him no other option but to join Jesus. It is as if God is welding this father's life to Jesus and using his situation as a blowtorch. In welding, you need two, and in welding, you need two things to join two pieces of metal. You need heat. You need two things in order to join two pieces of metal. You need heat and you need a groove. A groove is where the metal meets. I think I'm right, Bobby. But this week I found that they have this one groove called a J groove. And this thing, there's a thing about a J groove. A J groove, it can easily accept other pieces of metal by creating wider space for it. Friends, I came to tell y'all about another J groove that easily accepts those who want to be joined to him. I know some of y'all thinking, here he go with that allegory and using metals and J grooves. Well, you stay right there while the rest of us go there. Anybody know about the J groove that has accepted you, that God has joined you to? Jesus, the Son of God. And that's the power. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead started a revolution on earth. The Easter Revolution. Tom Holland calls Christianity the most disruptive, the most influential, the most enduring revolution in history. You know what makes Easter so enduring? It's because Jesus doesn't just offer resurrection life, but he offers us new life. Today. Not just in the future, 
right now. No, resurrection is not just a future event. Resurrection is right now. Remember Brittany's story earlier during offering? Remember Lamont's story on Good Friday? Jesus can change your life, not tomorrow, not in the future, but he's in the room right now. He can change you. Why are you here today? Because it's Easter. Will you be the same person wrestling with the same demons next Easter? Still talking about one day I'll join the church, one day I'll get saved, one day I'll get my life together. I came to tell you that Jesus is in the room now and he can get your life together. Oh, newsflash, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me correct it. You can't get your life together, sweetie. You can't get yourself together. You can't fix yourself up. You can't clean yourself up. Only God can get you together. Oh, that's the news of all of us in the room. One day, we realized that we couldn't get ourselves together. One day, we realized that we couldn't raise the dead, but we heard about a Jesus that can raise the dead. But here's the news gets better. Not only a resurrection future, not only is it new life today, but friends, it's eternal life forever. Worship team is coming back at this time. And I need to slow down here because I want you to leave with this gift. Surely this is the sweetest assurance of all. It's a promise with life without end. Jesus offers eternal life. And you may be here lost and you know that if you die, that you would go to hell. Your story does not have to end that way. Come to Jesus. Trust him to save you. Believe Jesus and he will not fail no matter what your clock says. Do not leave this stadium today without trusting in Jesus. You may be out of God's will with a with a heart that is cold and far away from God and say, God will never accept me. No, pastor, you're saying that because you don't know what I did last night. I came to tell you that Jesus can reach you and he'll restore you to the place of closeness that you don't have to be defined by what you did last night. But you can start a new life today, a life that will never end. You might have a problem you cannot handle. It's bigger than you. You almost didn't make it to church this Sunday. In fact, you said the person next to me is the reason why I almost didn't make it. Keep looking at me. (laughs) Tell Jesus your problem and he'll cut it down to size. Bring it to Jesus and trust him to take care of it for his glory. Believe Jesus and he will not fail. Don't leave this stadium today. Jesus is still on the court, not Tracy McGrady, not Michael Jordan, not Stephen Curry. He's not going to miss. The greatest of all time is on the court. And there is still time on your clock. The goat is here today. The greatest of all time. Would you give him your life today?